The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., do you want to come and watch Brock Osweiler throw interceptions for the Dolphins? We've got an opportunity for you. We're having our first ever Five Reasons Sports Network watch party. It's for the Dolphins' second preseason game. The Dolphins will be up in Carolina. We will be at the Texas Roadhouse in Miramar. That's right off of I-75 on Miramar Parkway, convenient to all of South Florida. Our hosts will start getting there around 6.30, 7 o'clock. The game is 7.30. So come hang out with us. There's no charge at the door, nothing like that. We're going to have the back bar. We'll have drink specials. We'll have food specials. We'll have giveaways. Come to the Texas Roadhouse. Again, it's Friday, August 17th, Dolphins' second preseason game. See you there. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. This is Chris Kaufman, your host. I'm here, as always, with Simon Clancy and Alf Artiaga. We've got some exciting news. We're going to have this watch party with the Five Reasons Sports Network at Texas Roadhouse down in Miramar. Uh, you've, you've already heard about it, and, uh, and Alf is going to be there. Do not ask him to do the podcast, whatever that means. Um, and so, so we're going to be at the Texas Roadhouse. I, I won't be there, dear listener. So if that affects whether or not you go, which I'm sure it will do. So I think I, I think that only entice people to go because Come um, on. they won't <laughs> I'm be keeping this podcast these... alive. <laughs> what what what's your favorite what's your favorite bar food that you're gonna go for, Alf, when, when you get to Texas Roadhouse and, and all these people are gonna be bugging you and af- asking you to do the Alf voice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well my favorite bar food is beer, okay? But if I had to have something to accompany the beer, it would have to be, I guess, nachos, jalapeno poppers, and southwestern egg rolls. That's my three go-to. Wings are what just, a, you know, played What out. is a south, southwestern egg roll? What is that? It's those, are, egg, those are good, right, Chris? That's right. Yeah. And southwestern egg roll is very simple. It has bits of chicken in it. It has bits of black bean, tomato, uh, corn, and peppers. No, so no egg. 
well, <laughs> well the egg is in the roll is in the the covering okay you know so it's uh it's actually very 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 tasty well, i'd uh, like to remind people that uh we all thought that we would do very well in a combine uh a three yards per carry combine and now we're talking about jalapeno poppers and southwest egg rolls and well, uh you two are well, I, well I, I, never, I never said i never is. said I'd, be, I'd do good in a, <laughs> in a combine i said I'd, i would probably end up in the hospital the answer to this question by the way is is salted peanuts but i'd just like to raise something else salted. because of course it is it's always salted peanuts i just want to raise something else which you know this is the section at the top where we sort of mess around a little bit, but this is quite a serious thing because there was a man spotted inside the Nick Saban uh, Memorial Dome this week behind Jakeen Grant Mm -hmm. in a sort of a pseudo-sexual kind of manner. He snuck up behind him like this was Vietnam and he was about to slit this fella's throat. I saw this. Everybody saw this. I mean, the internet saw this. But when this was posted on the internet and uh, the thousands of you that viewed Alf creeping up behind Jakeen Grant in a very sort of pseudo-sexual way. I thought you were talking about Antoine Staley. No, uh, apparently not. A man called... Antoine was also creeped out. We verified that. A man called Mikey Rolo 22 got in touch on our social media and he said, holy shit... I thought he was a young dude in his 20s. Alf looks old as fuck. He's like a <laughs> pedophile. What is wrong with the internet? What is wrong with the internet? I called that guy a complete fucktard. <laughs> and blocked him. For, yeah, he's blocked. He doesn't know it yet, but he's blocked for like, you know, forever. <laughs> like, I'll be in a box. And like my children, my, my my daughter will be dead. My wife will be dead. You'll be dead. Everybody we know will be dead. And he will still be blocked. But on my Twitter. But it will still live on on the internet. It will. Yes, Holy I'm, shit! I thought he was a young dude in his twenties. <laughs> Alf looks old as fuck, like he's a pedophile. And that the day is the, the day that, that three yards be... per carry Twitter turned into a Breitbart comment section. Yes. That is where we. That's where we should leave this week's podcast because it's never gonna. It's not gonna peak any higher than this. No, it's it's certainly and not gonna get I, any. What did I write back to that that gentleman? You put uh, my age is in my profile. I look slightly older than I than I come across. Thanks very much indeed for your lovely comment. Um, and uh, and I've never been. You'll never make that stick. Essentially, was what you put. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not what I said. <laughs> you didn't. You put. So you yeah, you can put you put you can fuck off forever, but that's the material. It's the thought that counted. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, as much as Mikey Rolo twenty two has become our new Shirley Druckman, I'm just going to put that in there. <laughs> He's yeah. the controversial writer in the room. He's our uh, favorite tweeter. Oh boy. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> on that note, uh, speaking of bars and beer, uh, I do want to give a shout out to Funky Buddha Brewery. Uh, because they gave me free beer, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they did a uh, they did a line uh, of beer this uh, this year in honor of our favorite wide receiver, uh, who is now an ex Dolphin, Jarvis Landry, and uh, it is a Goza style beer uh, brewed with sour grapes, bitter pink grapefruit, and sea salt, and it's called Landry's Tears. And, uh, and and the, I, as soon as I said something about it on Twitter, the uh, one of the co-founders who evidently has been following us since like the message board days, we're talking like a decade ago. Uh, he knows he knows we, who we are and everything. Um, he he got in touch with me. He was like, "Hey, give me your address. I'll send you the beer." 
So sure enough, he did. So Funky Buddha, here's to you, man. Well, we are going to get to football, but before we do, uh, let's hear from one of our partners on the Five Reasons Sports Network. A word from one of our new sponsors. That sponsor is Miss-Inc.com. That's Miss-Inc.com. They are social media problem solvers. They do social media marketing and content writing. We are using them right now. They've been in business for 10 years, and they believe in a personal, customized approach to marketing, so they only represent businesses that are serious about taking their visibility to the next level. Social media marketing requires much more than just a blog or profiles on a website like Facebook or Twitter. It takes a smart strategy and a daily interactive focus. Miss Inc. has been leveraging social media for Miami businesses since 2008. They don't believe in cookie cutter strategies or in boxing your business in with others in your industry. Here's how you check them out. Go to miss-inc.com or call 305-537-6465. Nice one, thanks to Miss Inc., which really should be a tattoo parlour. I think you maybe missed a um, missed an opportunity there, but great social media stuff. Anyway, let's get on to the real deal, the real reason why you're here, which is the Dolphins. Training camp finished yesterday. Let's have a look back at Dolphins 24, Buccaneers 26. I mean, nobody gives a shit about the results in the preseason. It's all about the kind of the uh, a myriad of things, really. You know, Ryan Tannehill played his first football in a year and a half. How did he look? And then some of those little jobs around the, you know, those training camp battles all over, be it linebacker at cornerback, which is huge, defensive tackle, which, you know, the D-line struggled. Where have the defensive ends who've been so promising during during camp, where have they gone all of a sudden? Couldn't get any pressure on the quarterbacks. What does that say about the two tackles, James and Tunsil? Question marks going in about those two. The receivers, what's happening with Devontae Parker and his broken finger? Let's start at the top, boys. Ryan Tannehill was back, and for the most part, he looked like he hadn't really missed a beat. It was a pretty impressive, I thought, pretty impressive comeback. Well, I thought he looked really, really good. Uh, But just like the scrimmage, we're back to the same narrative. He completes that one pass to Danny Amendola. Everybody's raving about that first drive because it probably ends up in points and not, you know, a field goal. I'm talking about a touchdown. But he looked good, and he's looked good in practice. He's had his missteps, like uh, namely part of the scrimmage and a couple of contact practices, especially last week on Thursday, where he did not look good. But he looks athletic, looks strong. Arm strength is there. Accuracy is there. All systems were a goal. How do you think uh, you've been there at practice, Alf, quite a bit? We've, we've been credentialed up this season. How do you... Um, lots of talk. There's a big ESPN article this evening about Tannehill and uh, and the fact his leadership is now taken over. We've seen the videos and stuff, and you've obviously been there. What What's your impression, A, of his own development in that area, but also how his teammates are taken to that, you know, this kind of leadership role? Because it hasn't always come easy to him. He's not always been the most... Um, uh, he's not been the great raconteur, I suppose. He's not been the great kind of stand and he's not Drew Brees he's not Tom Brady when it comes to those sorts of things what's your impression of of how he's developed in that area well I think he's been much more vocal than I've seen him before he also has he also has guys that that are feeding into this energy uh we have two guys on this team that practice like nobody else and that's Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant those two guys and we had 53 guys that practice like those guys I don't think we would have a lot of the problems that we we do have now. Uh, The interaction has been good. He seems to get into the ears of a lot of the younger guys. We already heard about what happened with with Callum Balazs. But he also, also, yesterday in an interview, uh, said that, you know, Callum Balazs has gotten it, that there is no harm, you know, no harm done, really no, no hurt feelings over it. You know, we're all professionals. He basically said, we know when we screw up and... 
you know, sometimes it's necessary to tell somebody that they did screw up. But the interaction, the interaction, I think, has been really, really good. And especially his, his tempo and practice has been really, really good. Do you think if I asked you a question about the 72 Dolphins, you'd be able to turn it into an expose on Kalen Balage? Maybe. I think easily. I think definitely. <laughs> now, I think with respect to Ryan Tannehill, if I could just uh, if I could weigh in on it, I would say that it's a combination of two things, really. One, he's got a supreme vote of confidence from the guys above who have told him to reach out and take it and make this his team and and really nobody else's um, that he's the guy for this team. But the other thing is uh, he's got nothing left to lose because a lot of people out there are questioning him. A lot of people think that this is, you know, the year for him to to show it. Um, so at this point, he's sort of like in put up or go away mode or put up or shut up mode. And and also he's got that big vote of confidence that says we want you to be this sort of leader. So he just I think he really actually just said it today. He said, what have I got to lose you know, I'm just going to go out there and be me and, and screw everybody else for, you know, forget what they think, forget what they they feel uh, about me. I'm just going to go out there and be me. And I think maybe this year, more than any other year, he's probably got that combination of, you know, career pressure where this could legitimately be his last year to be voted the the, the starter, the unquestioned starter on a team if things don't go well. Uh, it's that, and then also the the vote of confidence sitting behind him from the current coaches that he's on. I think that that's uh, that's a really favorable combination, and it reminds me a little bit, you know, it reminds me of other times in his careers, career when he's been challenged um, by people or uh, or narratives and criticisms, like when Joe Philbin refused to uh, to name him the starter before that uh, that London game. And he goes right out and, you know, from from that moment on for the rest of the season, he's on a tear. Uh, it reminds me of that. And the thing that I noticed when he started out the Bucks game is right away, no huddle. You know, if you if you look at it, they're going hurry up, they're going fast uh, and they're moving the ball down the field and they're getting things in the passing game that they wanted. Uh, and like Alf said, it's that missed pass is missed by inches, really. Uh, and and it's a it's a small guy. It's Danny Amendola. He doesn't have a big, you know, wingspan or anything like that. So deep down the field on a crosser uh, at high speed, you, it's it's sort of easy to miss him. I don't want to make excuses because you've got to hit that pass when the regular season comes. But um, you also wonder, hey, these guys are in their first training camp and preseasons together. I think maybe it could take a little bit of time to get those extra couple of inches, you know, on target. Case was on Sirius uh, yesterday morning talking about Tannehill and I thought he said something interesting so Gaze said for me he does a great job of taking care of the ball and I've told him essentially that and I've gone in his ear and threw it over and over again and now I'm talking to Dowell which is coach Loggins and I said to Ryan don't worry about throwing interceptions you're very accurate just turn it loose just make the right decisions don't hesitate all through camp I've said to him don't hesitate believe what you see turn the ball loose and your receivers will make plays I think if he keeps doing that then that's just what we're going to have to get. And if we want to get out of the third down situation, because we are not great in third down. And he can't see guys come open because by that time, he's usually on his back because that's just what happens on third down. I think he's really progressed in that area and we're heading in that direction before he got hurt in 2016. And he has a great feel, a great feel for the offense. He's doing all the little things that people don't notice a lot, lot better than he was doing when he was back with us in 2016. 
So essentially, that's what he said. I mean, it's interesting that he said, you know, the, the decision-making thing and, and the kind of the don't hold back. That was the kind of the don't hesitate, which, I, you know, is something that Ryan has done a little bit of in the past, hasn't it? He's been a little bit, he's seen something and then just thought, can he I plays trust the it? Can I, sometimes, yeah. Well, I think, it, you know, if the mentality is now going to be that, you know what, you're going to let it all hang out, then that's to be applauded, I suppose, whether or not he's yeah. that, again, it's like leadership, whether or not he is that kind of guy remains to be seen, but you know, I think it's to be encouraged that the coach is at least saying, you know what, set sail and let's see where we end up. What you about know what I noticed in that uh, in that game, though? I mean, even around Tannehill, I mean, the the skill players around him have to tantalize you, right? Uh, oh, 100%. Albert, Albert Wilson and Jaquan Grant speed. got on there. They they looked, they looked, you know, superb as a wide receiver combo because of Jakeem's speed and ability to get off the line and um, he had that pass interference he drew, and he still caught the ball, by the way. If you really if you really slow it down and go frame by frame, knee was down. He caught that, that goddamn ball. Um, but, you know, that's uh, – but Albert Wilson, I mean, look at the routes that he ran. I said that yeah. uh, I said that his routes were as crispy as a McDonald's fountain Coke. Um, yeah. it, it, he, he, was, he was superb uh, in what he did. He was out there only a very limited amount of time, but he was excellent. He was so good. Two and targets in, for um, two targets for Jasicki. How you know? How do you think that tight end battle is shaping up? Because you know, there's there's five interesting names there, aren't there? With Marquise Gray and AJ mm-hmm. Derby's back and uh, apparently playing well in in practice. Gavin Escobar's quietly seems to have done a, a decent job. Durham Smythe is in the mix. You know, is blocking well. We've heard Tannehill talk Durham Smythe up. Obviously, Jasicki's going to make the team, but it's almost like it's Jasicki plus. Two, maybe three, and it's hard to get a handle on who those guys are going to be. I will say this: for for two weeks, Marquise Gray has been running off the field with either one groin injury or hamstring injury. It's unclear what he's getting worked on because he keeps getting his thigh wrapped. But every time he returns to the lineup, he's on first team in the twelve personnel with Gasecki. Yeah, I mean his versatility, his versatility to be used with another versatile guy, and you know, versatile players get to be used with other versatile players because they complement each other. And, I mean, there's, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of big decisions ahead. There are a lot of big decisions ahead because, you know, we've talked in the past, does Marquise go to sort of this sort of hybrid fullback position just so they can squeak AJ Derby? Where's Gavin Escobar sit? Then the running back, Sonoris Perry is, you know, Sonoris Perry's got talent. He's also a decent special teamer. Gore's going to make the team. Balaj is going to make the team. Drake is going to make the team. I hope uh, Gavin he, Escobar sits on the bus home. Yeah, no, he probably will do. But, you know, he's he's in the mix, certainly. I mean, I don't think he makes the team. But where does Sonoris end up? Does he make the team? If he does, does that is at the expense of Marquise Gray? All these things are fascinating in terms of... We haven't even talked about the you know, the depth of receiver. Guys like Francis Owosu, who's really come on late. Isaiah Ford, who, you know, started camp very well and struggled after the shoulder injury, but looks to be coming back. I mean, there's a lot of very, very interesting... You know... The fact that Isaiah Ford has been—I don't think you're going to be able to store Isaiah Ford on the practice squad. Frankly, I don't think, I'm not sure that he, he'd get yeah, through waivers sure either. That. You might be right on that. I... Yeah, Isaiah Ford. Isaiah Ford—he's looked well long enough where the league has to have been taking notice. You know. Yeah. And... By the way, he is—he is the slot guy or behind Danny Amendola. I mean, they made that clear in the game yeah. that when Danny Amendola comes off and the slot, you know, he's the backup slot. How about the offensive line? How do you think they did? Because they've been offensive. 
in the last few years. And, uh, you know, as, but, you know, as Andy Benoit talked about in his excellent MMQB piece the other day, you know, the, the reason that the Dolphins have been unable to really run the Adam Gase system as proficiently as they'd like is because the offensive line hasn't been able to, hasn't been able to perform as well as you'd hope to. So where are we on this? How do you think they looked in, in, in albeit, you know, short game time against the Buccaneers? Well, I think Andy was right on. Yeah, well, I do too. Yeah. Well, what was it that uh, that uh, Adam Gase said about about Ryan Tannehill that he could sit back there and peel an orange? Yeah, I think yeah. this this whole this whole training camp we've heard this narrative about how the defensive line are dominating the offensive line and the tackles they're not to be trusted because Robert Quinn is abusing uh, Laramie Tunsil, Cameron Wake is abusing Jawan James. You know, other guys, they're they're abusing our tackles, our guards, center, Daniel Kilgore not doing well. We get into the game, the quarterbacks can read Tol- Tolstoy in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And and meanwhile, the defensive line is getting dominated mm-hmm. by a depleted Buccaneers offensive line. Yes. So, I mean, that, that, has to be, that has to be a concern. And we said it here on this podcast, we talked about this, how none of us really buys the narrative about you know whether it be Robert Quinn is going to be the savior because of how he's looking in camp, or whether it be uh, Simon. You mentioned the defensive tackles, like ever, the narrative that we're all right there, that mm. they're doing so well. Well, come the Bucks game, where were they? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't buying that the offensive line is getting is getting dominated. I think they weren't. You you got, you want to know how they're going to do in the games? You look back at the blueprints. You don't look at at, at training camp because training camp is not the the right those aren't the right conditions to judge these guys I think and the real games are and when the real games came that line could pass protect and we've got, the defensive we've line got, was struggling yeah we've got 15 linemen on the roster at the moment I'm just going to go through them name by name just give me a yes or a no as to whether or not they make the team um, Isaac Asiata yes no Jake Brendel or Brendel uh, he'll start the season on, on the pup Chris? Uh, good answer. Uh, I'll go with that. Jesse Davis? Of yes. course. Connor Hilland? I'd uh, like to keep him on practice squad. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I'm there. He I'm stood there out to him. me a lot. Yeah. John, John James, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Clearly. Uh, Rubens Joseph? No. Uh, no. Kilgore? Obviously. Yes. Yeah, of course. Ted Larson? Yes. Yes. Mike Matthews? No. No. Sitton? Of course. Of course. And then the next four or the next five are very interesting. Eric Smith. No. Yes. Oh, I'd say yes, but David Steinmetz. No. Uh, that practice one is squad. tight. That one's really tight. I think he's in the wrong position. I think he goes to the practice squad. Zach Sterrup. Yes. Either practice squad or yes. I, I think Sam, I think Sam Young. Yes. Yes. And Tunsil. Oh, of course. Of course. So there's a possibility that one, two, three, four. You think they're going to keep five tackles? James Sterup, Tunsil, I don't, Young. I don't think Smith. I don't know that I think Eric Smith is ultimately attacked. I'd like to see him inside. I know that the Dolphins have talked about it internally in years in, in last year about moving him inside and seeing seeing how he works out there. I'd like to move him inside because in pass protection at right tackle, that's where you get to have the most questions about him. Mm. Um, but he is so nasty and so physical. He mm. and Ted Larson are are very similar that way. Uh, they really go the extra mile on every snap, and and you like that. I like. I would like to see Ted Larson move inside too, uh, to center, and see how he looks there because I think that could cover up some of his weaknesses. On Eric Smith, uh, 
you've heard the term upward mobility. Well, he seems to have downward mobility on this roster <laughs> because maybe maybe they're just trying to get David Steinmetz as many snaps as they can in practice to see what they have, and maybe they just you know they already have Eric Smith in their in their back pocket. You know, maybe that's possible. But I don't think that's, I think the, that's the type of guy that you just store in your back pocket and say, oh, he already made the team. But, I think Smith makes the team. I think Steinmetz goes to the practice squad. Well, Eric saying, Smith yeah. has an ever-increasing or, let's say, decreasing number of snaps in practice. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about, but it has to mean something, doesn't it? We've done this with backs and tight ends. Do you think we carry two quarterbacks to try and squeeze another player somewhere? So yeah. Tannehill and Fails probably. Yes. Yeah, I think that their hope their That's hope tough. was for Brock Osweiler to play really, really, really well and that they could get a seventh-round pick for, for him toward the end of the camp. But I don't think that's going to happen now. What yeah. about receivers? We've got 11 receivers on the roster. Uh, just let me go through the names again like we just did. That's the one where it's tough for me. Yeah, yes. this is a tough one. So, Danny Amendola. Yes. Yeah. Leonte Carew. No. Isaiah Ford. Yes. Do you think he makes the sure. roster? Yes, I think he makes Come the on, roster. Come on, Chris, get off that fence. Okay, yes, yes, sixth sixth guy. Okay, Joaquin Grant? Yes. Yes. Malcolm Lewis? No. Drew Morgan? No. No. Francis Owosu? Nope. I wish. I think he's I think he's capable, but no. Chris, yeah, only that, if they get rid of Devontae. Rashawn Scott? No. No, and I like him as a football Ken, player also. Kenny Stills? Of course. Okay, of course. Albert Wilson? Yes. Yep. And here is the... Elephant in the room. Will Devontae Parker be a Miami Dolphin by mid-season? By mid-season, it's tough to say. By opening day, yes, because he found this this middle finger injury, which is interesting that it was the middle finger because we've been wanting to give him the middle finger. Do you think if he had not broken his middle finger, he may have been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles as part of a deal for Ronald Darby? I think that's an... I would say, I'm not going to put a number on it, but let's go 50.1% probability that that would have happened. Especially given that Alshon Jeffrey looks to be starting the season on the PUP. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think Devontae Parker is really, really attractive to a team like the Eagles that already has a ready-made quarterback, you know, and they have enough weapons where they don't necessarily have to hide him, but they could give him the things that he's best adept at doing. So, yeah, like... Had he not broken his finger, I think there was a trade to be had. They took Let's our flip- unwanted last year, and they won a Super Bowl with him. So yeah. I mean- Let's flip it defensively, because there were some good aspects defensively, and there were some mm-hmm. not-so-good aspects defensively of the yeah. defeat to the Buccaneers. First a of all, of the we, yeah, we touched yes. a lot upon the def- defensive linemen. That was a struggle, wasn't mm-hmm. it? A real struggle. Yes. That was, but there was a lot of there was a lot of scheme and run fit stuff in there. Um, mm-hmm. That that maybe I think I think some of it's getting blamed a little bit on the defensive line, and and we're, we're right to blame the defensive line in that they didn't dominate, and that's what they're they're supposed to do. But there was a lot of there was a lot of run fit stuff, even by some of the good players. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the decision to bring back Kendall Langford? I think it's just a camp body. Yeah, it's a body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he knows that he does it. He knows how to do it right. When he played in this this style of defensive line play and and with the Rams, also with William Hayes and with Robert Quinn, so they were all teammates for like three years, and um and so he knows he knows the style. He knows what's going to be asked of him, and they replaced Gabe Wright, who had experience with this defensive line style 
in Detroit with Kusurik. Um, so they're replacing him with another guy that knows what he's doing. I think it's just a camp body to show some of the younger guys like Anthony Moten or Jamius Pittman, you know, what, what's to be expected of them. I mean, he's not played in, he's not played an NFL game since November the 19th. Yeah. Hmm. 2016. If he's your fourth defensive tackle, I don't think you're doing that bad. If he's capable again, you know, if he's, if he's back to what he was. So I don't think it's all bad news that they reached out to him. What about the lack of ability to get pressure on a quarterback? That was a concern because Robert mm-hmm. Quinn, for all that we you know talked about him, and granted, this is only three pass rush snaps. I mean, that it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, but still, against uh, against, uh, I think his name is Donovan Smith. Is that the yeah, is that the left is, tackle? Yeah. It is. Uh, for those three pass rush sta- uh, snaps. Let's just say that Donovan Smith wasn't even close to having trouble with him. And so that's concerning. Like, I, listen, I get it. You're not going to pressure a passer uh, just because you got three pass rush snaps. I get that. But you, you at least got to look like you're giving the guy a hard time. <laughs> and and he didn't look like he was having a hard time. So let's do this again. Andre Branch, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. He, no choice. He's paid. He's paid. He's guaranteed yeah. salary. Mm-hmm. God show. Yes. Yes. Charles, yes. Yeah. Charles Harris. Yes. Yeah. Here's an interesting one, given that he's been injured. William Hayes. He'll make it. He should. Cool. Yes. He should, yeah. I just wonder whether uh, Langford, we both say uh, camp body. Camp body. Uh, yeah. Cameron Malvo. No, I don't think. No, he does not make it. Claudie Matthew. No. Nope. No. Uh, Anthony Moton. He's interesting. Hmm. Uh, first of all, he's the one, who, he's the one who, who set off World War Three in practice the other day by cheap-shotting uh, um, Sonoris Perry. Mm-hmm. And then him getting, you know, cheap shotted in return by Hillen. So he's been noticeable. He's played well. He's played well in, in camp. Uh, he didn't look that bad in the game either. So, he looked really good in the game. I was shocked. Yeah, I didn't so, expect him at like, all. How do you sneak him onto there? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, does he make it past waivers? I think he's halfway toward making the team. He's going to have to continue to blow it out in, uh, in preseason and look really good. Mm-hmm. But the fourth defensive tackle is Vincent Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and I don't know that they're going to keep more than four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what you have to say about him. Yeah. Jordan Phillips? Of course. Yeah. Jemias Pittman? No. No. Robert Quinn? Yeah. Quincy Redmond? No. No. Uh, Akeem Spence? Yes. Yeah. Vincent Taylor, yes. yeah, Cam Wake, of course, yep, and Jonathan Woodard. He looked good in that game, didn't he? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he replaces Cameron Malvo. I, I was he gonna say because really it strikes me that it's him versus Malvo for that final spot. Yeah, I yeah. think he yeah. makes it. I think he, you know, he offers enough as far as you know his speed rush, where you know it's something you might want on the team. So he makes it. As a, I think you've always, when you look at him play in the past with Baltimore, you you always know that this guy is a big man and very strong and can run, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but you don't like him necessarily. He wasn't explosive, and you didn't you didn't like him, uh, you know, having to go east west really on um, on zone plays and stuff like that. There were things that he wasn't good at. What I'm wondering is if he's what we caught a glimpse of in that that first preseason game. Is if he's found a home in what is really kind of a unique defensive line style in the wide nine, you know, you never know when a guy is just going to take to it and and this is their home, this is what they're what they're good at. 
Uh, and that might be what we found with him is mm-hmm. he's he's found a style that works perfectly for him. What about the linebackers? Because Jerome Baker's performance seemed to stand out. He played pretty well um, mm-hmm. and seemed to play, I suppose, maybe better than he'd practiced. Might mm-hmm. be a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Certainly wasn't completely clean, but did look. I thought he looked pretty impressive for a first for a first outing. Um, he was rewarded by moving up to the first team in practice the next day. So you know he's clearly doing something right. Arrow up for Jerome Baker. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really hard to stand out. I think sometimes as a linebacker, um, in any setting, because you know the, the ball either goes to you and goes your way, or and you have the opportunity, or it doesn't. You know, linebackers can be tied up pretty easy. I, for for it being hard to stand out as a linebacker, he found a way to stand out consistently in the game, mm. and that, I think it was just because he's he's that fast and that explosive and that agile. Yeah, and I think I think the writing's on the wall with uh, with Mike Hall's injury. I think we have our six already. Do you now? Yes. So let's go, Chase Allen. Yes. Yes. Kiko. Yes. Yes. Stefan Anthony. Yes. Yeah. Baker, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Casey Collins. No. No. Terence Garvin. Yes. I'll Chris? say yes, but I'm I'm really been iffy on that. <laughs> Frank Ginder. No. No. Uh Hull? Uh well he's gonna be on Pup. And he might go Wait. on IR. Yeah, <laughs> I think he'll go on yeah. IR. Because he's gonna be out probably the first month of the season. So yeah, IR. Yeah. Raekwon? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Quentin Poling. No, he won't make no. it. No. Okay. And Quentin Poling, uh like uh don't buy a don't buy a house, buddy. It's it's not looking good so far. Like we mm-hmm. talked about that upward mobility, and we talked about downward mobility. He's another one of these guys. Like uh, Stefan Anthony, while being demoted, you can see he gets promoted to punk coverage and kickoff coverage. While Quentin Poling keeps getting taken off of all of these units. So are we starting? Are we starting with two two linebackers on the field or three? Two. First game of the season. First defensive drive. How many linebackers are starting, and who are they? Or how many, be... the f- how many linebackers on the how many linebackers on the field for the first snap, and who are they? I think they're two. Probably two, just because offenses put eleven personnel out there like 70 percent of the time, or something like that, and mm-hmm. that's going to be met with nickel personnel like yes. way more often than not. So, so linebackers two linebackers, two linebackers, Kiko Alonso and Raekwon McMillan. But yes. by the end of the year, I think it could be Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'd say that too. Right. What about the DBs? How do you think they learn? Oh, just a quick one. Raekwon was his first performance, first ever game, because obviously he, he tore his ACL in the, on that kickoff, opening kickoff against the Falcons last year. How did you think he looked in his very first uh, performance as a Dolphin? Not good. Not okay. great. I mean, he it was his first performance in the NFL, and so we kind of excuse it that way. But you know what? It was Jerome Baker's first performance in the NFL too, and he looked better. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't inspiring. I would say. I'd say the words that struck me when I watched it were a concern, but not mm. a, but not an issue, yeah, right. but a bit of a concern. Yes, I think that's fair, don't you? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah, right. DB I think actually thing. he was almost there on a couple of like it was yeah. interesting some pass plays. Like he was almost there with that lane and and the way that he was reacting and predicting. I. You know, let's not make it an issue, but um, no. But yeah, and I think I, I think there's only so much you can replicate in practice, isn't there? There's only so much that you can, you know. Don't forget, this will be his first football game since what back in the 2016. That yeah, was his first game, mm-hmm. you know, 
not only has it been, you know, almost two years, but it's also a fairly massive step up, whether it's pre-season or not, it's still a fairly massive step up in terms of quality. So I think there's definitely things to work on, but I, I, I'm not worried. I think it was just a bit of a, oh, okay, wasn't quite what I was expecting. But I think the, the quicker the quicker we can get Raekwon and Jerome Baker working together, yeah, just like they I were agree. in 2016, because yes. that's, that's when they really, both of them stood out. That was their Ohio best, State. absolutely. Absolutely. What about the DBs? How do you think? How do you think they played? I mean, just taking a few names and throwing them out there. It, it, you know, obviously everybody's been talking up Xavier, and there was a great quote from somebody earlier in the week that said, "Today was the day that Xavier Howard stole Devontae Parker's soul," which I loved. Um, but he's been arguably the best player in training camp. Um, obviously, Rashad didn't line up. Minka obviously had his first game and, and looked pretty good. Yes. Um, but some issues elsewhere in the, the secondary, specifically on that that other cornerback slot opposite Xavier Howard. And we saw some changes in practice with Bobby McCain moving to the starter on the perimeter, um, which obviously Chris had predicted from a while out. And, you know, something else that, you know, we're not trying to big ourselves up, but we, we do know yeah, what we we're are. talking about. And some, yeah, we are. But, you know, we know what we're talking about. You know, Chris had predicted that a while ago. And, and, and there's Bobby McCain on the... Um, you know, starting out on the perimeter. So how did you feel the DBs looked? Obviously, you played three safeties at times. And um, how did how did we all feel it went in terms of the guys that were on the field? Obviously, with no Rashad and, you know, question marks at the other corner spot. Or at least then, if Bobby does play, that means question marks inside a nickel. But generally, how did we feel? Well, you know, besides, you know, creepily sneaking up on Jakeem Grant, I was also talking to a lot of guys on the team. <laughs> And a lot of people inside that building, and I managed to get some things, and managed to get what I would say is their feeling on on the on the entire unit. And a direct quote I got was, "We love our five. We don't know if we have six. Now, obviously, we know who those five are. That's Bobby McCain, mm-hmm. that's Howard, and it's the three safeties: T.J. Minka and Rashad. So, that's a pretty strong quote." If you watch that game, I thought that Jalen Davis played very well. Now, we know that Tony Lippett is having a horrible camp, and this looks like a throwaway year. It doesn't look like he's going to help us at all this year. He's coming back from that injury. I guess, you know, we'll see him next year to see if he does anything. Cornell Armstrong. Do you think he makes, do you think he makes the team? Man, I, I, was, I would have a hard time cutting the guy after an Achilles injury, but. It's business, you know, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. Business. But you know, um, he looks fine athletically. I think he has a, you know, he has a mental block after that injury. You know, there's something yeah. wrong with him. And I mean, I, I think Jalen Davis is going to make the team. And okay. I said it right from the start when I he think was... so too. When we talk about that downward right. mobility and that upward mobility, he has upward mobility because now that we're playing these the three safeties and Bobby McCain in the boundary, Jalen Davis has found himself. Uh, of course, we're not going to have this in the regular season, but in preseason, it is instructive that Jalen Davis is second team slot corner. So. Look, let, let, let's take it. Let's take it at this because we know that we know the five, right? We know Xavier, Minka, Rashad, Bobby, and TJ make the team. That's five. Okay. Yes. Yep. We all think that Jalen Davis is going to make the team. That's six. Yes. Walt Aikens is going to make the team in part because he can cross train at safety and at cornerback, but also because he's a special teams captain. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's seven. Cordray Tankersley is almost certainly going to make the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's eight. Mm-hmm. Now, 
nine, are we carrying nine or ten DBs? It's up to ten. Rizzy. It's up to Rizzy. Okay. You've got to pretty much so uh, of the guys that are left, Lippitt, who doesn't play special teams. No. Jordan Lucas, who's a very good special teams player, and you could yes. see becoming a special teams captain if Walt Aikens didn't make the team. Mm. And Maurice Smith, who they're um, habitually very high on. Mm-hmm. But is he ever going to see the field in terms of look at the safeties that are around him? That poor guy, didn't he get replaced by Minka in, um, he in did. Alabama? Yeah, he and did. Then- and then, and then he comes to Miami, and he was he was that. I mean, he came to Miami as sort of that uh, slash, you know, slot corner slash safety guy. So the one name <laughs> we haven't mentioned, we've mentioned ten DBs, and I haven't even mentioned Tory McTyre's name yet, who yeah. two weeks ago was starting on the perimeter. Sure, something, I, I think he's actually still leading that. Uh, something's got to give, right, Bobby? Yeah, and I'll, well, tell you, then, I'll tell you what I think has to give a trade. Um, do we do we have the strength in the secondary to even justify a trade? I, I, that's what I that's what I wonder. Like who's going to be set, who's going to be sniffing playing, our guys? They're set on playing do you mean a, five. Do you mean a trade in or a trade out? Trade or out. trade a trade out? Like who yes. are we going to get? Who are we going to trade out? I don't know. Can they get? Who's, can they get? Who's going to want them? Can they get a sixth round pick for Tony Lippett? Can they get a seventh round pick no. for Tony Lippett? No. No, no. no, I don't think they can get anything for for Tony no. Lippett. Not in the guy, you know, getting banged up and coming off a major injury. I, you know, I don't think so. I think that here's, a, here's Light- a prediction: Tony Lippett doesn't make the team. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, He's gone possible. from like you know we were we were wondering if he was going to lead the, you know the the outside competition to you know he might not make the team. I think Maurice Smith and Jordan Lucas are going to be in competition with one another. Already are think, for that fourth safety spot. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so far Lucas is winning it, but we've got the rest of preseason to go. They don't have to cut everybody till after yeah. the last game, right? So, um, and then I think that uh, on the outside, I think Tory McDyer is still in the lead for that spot. We've talked about this off air a little bit. Cordray Tankersley had some major gaffes in, in his coverage mm-hmm. against the Buccaneers, uh, including some stuff that, you know, people are like, wow, how did you. How did you make that read wrong? You know, how did you um, how did you get yourself into that technique? Yeah, it was, um, it, was it was pretty like elementary dumb stuff that was going yeah, on so with that second team. Cordrea Tankersley, I think that you've gotten the hints that he's been disappointing them a little bit the whole time. Hence, Tory McTire ended up in the place that he ended up. Um, but Tory, if you look at if you really look at how he played in the game, he did not play poorly. He seemed assignment and technique sound. It's just that. You know, he he let up a big catch to Justin Watson, who's a bigger body. He's like 6'2", 220 or something like that. And, you know, Torrey had good coverage on it, but it was just like, you know, hey, you don't have the frame to really dominate this big receiver and um, and make sure he doesn't catch the ball. And so maybe you got a, you got a glimpse of his limitations. Uh, but he he's still fast, and he's – Jakeem Grant, he did a, he did a, a podcast – or he guested with uh, with Ethan and Chris on the five reasons. And he's talking about the fastest men on the team, the guys that would be in the race. You know, Tory was one of them. Tory was one of the guys that Jakeem mm-hmm. was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a place for him here. Uh, the question is going to be, you know, can they make a spot for Cornell Armstrong? Because they drafted him. I think they ha- they thought highly of him when they drafted him. I don't really know how he's been doing in camp, but I know in the game. You know, they said the old Parcel saying, if they don't if they don't bite as puppies, they don't bite. Mm-hmm. Well, he bit. I mean, he mm-hmm. made uh, he was on the attack and he hit 
he hit people really hard. And I think that there was some coverage, you know, there's some coverage stuff that he let up. But listen, this is the first game ever uh, in the NFL. I think you, you can you have a hope of being able to clean some of that stuff up. But what you got from him right away is that aggressiveness, which if it's not there, you don't you can't just give that to a guy. That came through on film at Southern Miss as well. That's what he was. That was his rep. You know, that aggressive tackling, that kind of coming up off the edge and really mm. smacking you in the mouth. And I, it, right. he certainly showed that in the game. He did. He did. Show what you show what got you to the league, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And that he did. What do you think Minka did? Burke alluded to this when we had our little gaggle, uh, and mm-hmm. and he said that he had issues with with his run fits, but I thought he played great. Uh, he flashed all over the field. You know that play on the sideline. You know what was the last time we saw something like that? Maybe with Chris Clements. Yeah. Was that yeah. the last time that we saw a play the that range. he ran? That he, he ran maybe what twenty five yards across. He the ran field? from. He ran from right hash, really, or depending on which viewpoint, from from hash to sideline, and yeah. and jarred that ball out. So I had a, um, there was a good quote yesterday. I know you had your your little gaggle with uh, with Matt Burke. I saw another good quote from Burke where he said that um, uh, he said that um, he left the facility. He said I I, I work hard. He said I, I I'm in early and I leave late. He said and usually last season. The only car left in the car park when I leave is Adam Gaze's because he said coach works harder than anybody. He said, but this season or this this since spring, there's been two cars in the car park, Gaze and Fitzpatrick. He says, and whenever I go into the car park to go home at the night and Minka's car is still there, he says, which is most nice. He says, I have to double back and go and check and make sure he's okay. And every time I go and see him, he's watching film. He said, this is a guy who's like carries himself like he's been in the league for 10 years. Like he's the, And we, we've said this before. But this is a guy who's like, you know, he acts like he's 30 years old. He's so switched on. He loves the game. He understands the game so much. He says, but he's just, he refuses to be outworked. He absolutely refuses to be outworked. It was interesting watching Peter Schrager the other morning on uh, on one of the uh, NFL morning shows saying that it, Minka was his tip to be, uh, to have the sort of Marshawn Lattimore impact um, mm-hmm. in 2018 that Lattimore had in 2017. Um you know the the hype about him is real, isn't it? I mean, this kid this kid can ball. Yeah. And let's say something. This has to be said. This this new move that they're making in the wake of the Bucks game with Bobby on the outside and and Minka playing the slot to get their best five guys in the field. Well, let's. I mean, we have to say it. Minka played in the slot like seventy percent at Alabama, and yeah. that's where Nick Saban put him because that's the most important spot in their defense. I mean, the whole the whole idea is to spread you out. And get lots of athletes out uh, out out wide, and then you can isolate whatever you want on the slot player, whether it's size or speed or uh, or you know physicality, agility, those sorts of things. And so Minka in the slot gives you more of a you know multi-tool player, even than Bobby McCain. And so I think that 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 could be a good thing. That could really help the run defense in nickel, which was a huge weakness last year. And that, um, because because many, he's a very physical presence on the in, from the slot. How many guys do you think we're going to carry then, DB wise? Nine or I 10? Think ten. I think ten. Okay. I think yeah, it has I to think, be ten. I think ten Let's as go. well. I think uh, I think the linebackers. You know, you take one from the linebackers and you add one to the DB. So that means six linebackers, ten DBs. So let's go through them. Walt Akins. Yes. Yep. He's a lock. John Jonathan Alston. No. No. Cornell Armstrong. Uh. 
you he starts the last preseason game, and you hope that he doesn't return one for a touchdown on an interception, and then you can cut him and try to bring him back. I think he makes the practice squad. Uh, Tavis Calhoun? No. no. Jalen Davis? Yes, he yeah. makes it. Trey Elston? No. No. Obviously, Minka and Xavier and Rashad. Tony Lippett, I've already called it. I say no on that too. Yeah, I'm 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 coming around to your to your view. And I think, by the way, I think that Cornell Armstrong will make it. But oh, interesting, um, so. interesting. Jordan Lucas. Yes, on special teams. Chris. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go. He's. I think he's solidly winning that competition right now with Maurice. But we'll see how it goes. Continue. Bobby McCain, obviously. T.J. McDonald. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. McTire. That's not a choice too either. That's also another guaranteed salary. Yeah. Right. McT- yeah. Right. Absolutely. McTyre? Yes. Yeah. Mo Smith? Hmm. Not right now. Not right now Wait. either. Yeah. And if Tank. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 They're they're frustrated with that guy. So mm-hmm. you know, trade you, you say you said suggested that a trade could happen that we could trade somebody out. Yeah. And one of the only guys that I think we could trade out would be Tankersley. Yeah, I and think so. So, so who knows? I, I'm not gonna make a guarantee here, but somebody offers a fourth round pick, I think he's out of here tomorrow. Um, quick word on the kickers. Looks like Jason Sanders will start the season as the kicker. He seems to have been uh, hugely impressive or far more impressive than Greg Joseph. And I think he, uh, two days ago, I think he was seven for seven, including back-to-back 63-yarders. So uh, and Joseph's been sporadic, I think, at best. So I think Sanders will, will certainly start the season as the kicker. Right, coming up, we will discuss Friday night's game in Charlotte against the Carolina Panthers, a game that I attended in the regular season last season, where the Dolphins got beaten fairly handily by Cam Newton and his boys. Um, we shall see what happens on Friday night, and we shall talk about what will happen straight after this. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a Canes thing on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that, that's where it all started for me. And just, just the style of play. And and really, it was it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here. And, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we were whipping Oklahoma. And just, you know what I mean? Just just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's (laughs) chasing me because you you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. (laughs) Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of the Fantasy on 5 podcast, part of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, letting you know that your fantasy football needs are covered this season. 
My co-host David Ganos and I will be leading you hand-in-hand through your draft and right up to Championship Sunday, offering our insight into the world of fantasy football. We'll also be inviting some of our friends from Sports Illustrated, Yahoo, and DraftKings. Look for us Tuesdays and Thursdays starting in July, wherever you currently listen to your favorite Five Reasons Network podcasts. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. This is section, I don't know what, five, potentially. Uh, so it's the Dolphins against the Panthers on Friday night, Saturday morning over here in the UK. Um, Chris, a couple of interesting matchups that you're keeping an eye on in this game. I mean, it's second preseason game, so it's, you know, we're expecting, again, uh, maybe a little bit more of Ryan Tannehill, potentially. Uh, our starters will play maybe two series this time. Season uh, game three seems to be the is always the kind of the bigger game where you potentially get the starters playing most of the first half. Game four is the kind of the 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 nothing game. But what are you expecting out of this game against the Panthers? And give us a couple of key matchups to to look out for. I think whether you're the Panthers or the Dolphins, your primary is just looking at your own players. You just want guys to stand out and and to win their matchups and uh, and. You know, just look a little bit more clean than you did in the first game. Certainly the Dolphins needed to clean up a lot of what they had in the first game. So it goes without saying we want to see everything good from everybody. But um, some matchups that I would look at in particular is, uh, first off, Laramie Tunsil on the left tackle spot. He's going to be going up against Mario Addison on the first team. And Mario Addison is sneaky, not many people know it, is, is one of the best pass rushers one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL over the last decade. He's a he's a pure speed rusher, clearly a one-dimensional guy, but a really effective one. And so we we talk about Laramie Tunsil ad nauseum. You know, we need him to step up this season, be better than he was last year. Um, this is the time. This is really the first game where he's going to get a chance to show it because I don't think Jason Pierre-Paul was was the the quality of um, of matchup. You know, last week. That we're looking for. I think this Mario Addison matchup, he's got Josh sitting protecting his inside post leg. So go against a speed rusher and shut him down. That's what we want to see. So uh, he did well against them in the game that they played in the regular season. It deserves to be said, uh, but you need to see it some more. Another one, Robert Quinn, he's going to be going up against uh, Khalil. Um, and I think this is the time we. We need to start seeing some of this Robert Quinn that we keep hearing about in practice. I realize he only had six snaps last week, and it was the first preseason game, whatever. Um, no matter how they looked, it was still just a few snaps. Who cares? Um, but this, I, I think in this game, you're going to at least want to see a flash of that, of that pass rush from Robert Quinn. So uh, him going against, him against, going up against Matt Khalil is going to be a big one to watch. And then, uh, just for fun, I, I would have Jakeem Grant against Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson's second-round corner that uh, the Panthers have been playing a lot at left corner this um, this preseason. Um, he is one of the fastest. He was one of the fastest men in college football coming out this year. And of course, we know Jakeem Grant to be one of the fastest men in the NFL. And uh, and that'll be a fun matchup because it looks like, you know, obviously Devontae Parker is not going to play 
with that uh, broken finger. Although, quite honestly, I, I think he can run routes with that broken finger and, and not catch any passes. That's all he's been doing anyway. Um, so I think that you could have Jakeem Grant in the game. He's going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of snaps with Parker out, with Stills possibly out. Uh, and this matchup with speed on speed, that's, that's what's going to be pretty interesting. And I think, uh, it, I think Dante might have a little something for Jakeem, too, because if you go back to the Texas Bowl in 2015, you, know, you have Jakeem Grant by the goal line and uh, trips left, and there's Dante Jackson, a younger Dante Jackson, trying to go man with him. And uh, Jakeem just catches a quick little, little screen out there, and it, all it is is open field, you know, break down, tackle, tackle the guy. But Jakeem absolutely broke his ankles. And uh, and scored the touchdown on him. So um, so Dante, that's that's his chance for a rematch. I think with speed on speed, there wouldn't be surprised to see Jakeem uh, or Dante actually play him a little more aggressively because he knows he's got the closing speed to to catch up, which opens up Jakeem for the possibility to work on that grasshopper move that you know he showed against New England last year on Malcolm Butler. And that he's been working on, if you've watched, followed his Instagram and stuff like that, all uh, off season long. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that comes up, where he catches a, a jump ball on top of uh, Dante Jackson. Those are the three matchups. Otherwise, this is preseason; it's inconsequential. Uh, you just want to see your guys uh, perform. Maybe get a Mike Gesicki uh, Sports Center, you know, play out of it, something like that. No Devontae Parker, no Kenny Stills. That makes me excited to see. Tannehill throwing to Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, and especially Mike Gusecki. All right, now let's get into some Twitter questions. All right, and this first one, people have gotten into this little habit of sending us all types of questions, so I will indulge one every single week. And the first one is from at Bleed Aqua and Orange. And he asks, rank the following breakfast foods, waffles, pancakes, French toast. Simon. What's French toast? Wow, you don't know what French toast is? I probably do, but you just have to remind okay, me. Okay, usually it's just a, it's like very thick sourdough, and they dip it in egg, and then they put it on a pan with butter. Okay, what were the first two? Pancakes and waffles. Uh, pancakes. Okay. Waffles, so, and French, French toast. toast. Although none of them would win the breakfast Olympics. Okay, what about you? Chris? I'm just, I'm just uh, baffled that you don't know what French toast is. Uh, is that I had no idea that was a thing like that British people don't know. No. We don't. Uh, but number one is French toast, clearly pancakes. Number two, waffles. Number three. Uh, I'm going to slightly change it. I'm with you, Chris. French toast is number one. But I'm going to go waffles number two. Like, you know, it's sneaky good. Mm-hmm. Waffles are sneaky good because you could have them That's without syrup. That you could even have them with, with fried chicken. Uh, it's very versatile. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we didn't say chicken and waffles. That's, whole, fried, that's entirely different. Fried chicken for breakfast. Well, that, uh, well, no, I was just saying chicken and waffles. Yeah, chicken okay, and waffles. But, uh, you know, but fried chicken staple. obviously can't be a th- can't be a thing for breakfast, though, right? No, no. What no. is for breakfast? Uh, a thing for breakfast is chicken fried steak. Okay, it's chicken. It's not for breakfast. What you boys need is some good overnight oats. Well, that's odd. That's odd because a, a chicken fried steak is actually a beef steak, but they call it chicken fried because they deep fry it with the same uh, breading that they use for chicken. None of this should be available at breakfast. <laughs> Nothing that you deep fry should be available to eat in like the morning. Half, that's like half of the Greasy Spoon Diners here is deep fried stuff. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a chicken fried steak, Simon. you got to have one. Yeah, I will. 
Not before, not a breakfast. I won't. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get into the other questions. All right. We do encourage you to keep sending us these questions. I'll pick one off the wall. One. I found that one really interesting because made me think. All right. A lot of people asked about people that would make the roster, would not make the roster. You know, we kind of answered all of them. Mm-hmm. But he writes, and this is Michael Weitzner at and Weitzner. And he writes, which is a bigger concern for this defense, the boundary corner opposite of Howard when McCain is at nickel or the Sam linebacker? Uh, boundary corner. Hard to say because if they're just – yeah, but if they're just going to go with this five of Mika Fitzpatrick in the well, slot, yes, like, yes. then all of a sudden you're like, well, I trust Bobby. Um, you know, So then, then you have to say Sam linebacker. I, if I they're kind of going – I do think it's interesting they haven't – or I, they may have, but it hasn't been reported that Minka hasn't seen any time outside at boundary corner. Yeah, it, they. You know what? I saw one reporter mention it that it's happened, but not in front of them. That the Dolphins have specifically worked on it without their prying eyes. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, having seen Minka play live twice last season, where he played a lot of boundary corner, I was surprised that he didn't that he hasn't been playing well like we say maybe he has been playing there we just haven't seen it but i think in the red zone he could follow like a tight end out to the perimeter yeah i think so too i think so too and this one is from andrew vk at eesti 65 and he writes will miami have a 1000 yard receiver this season simon that's a good question i think kenny stills is the favorite because he'll catch, you know, his yards per catch average will be. I, I don't think we will, because I think Jasicki's going to catch a load of balls, but you know he's probably not going to. He might end up in the seven hundreds. Kenny might end up in the eight hundreds. Jakeem in the six hundreds. You know, Albert Wilson in the six five six hundreds. Amendola four fifty. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a possibility yeah, yeah. that the, the wealth can be spread so much. You know, you look at, you know, Drake can catch. You know, we talked about it. Ad infinitum. The boys can catch. The balls out in the backfield. You look at the tight end situation beyond Jasicki. I, I, I don't think we will have a thousand. And plus, you chuck Parker in as well. I don't think we'll have a thousand yard receiver because I just don't think that the offense is going to be predicated. Excuse me, predicated on um, on one guy. It's not like Jarvis is here anymore. I just think the the wealth is going to be spread so much across the across the talent. Chris, what do you think? I tend to agree with that, but if there's I, and I didn't think I would be here, um, not because I didn't think highly of him, but just because you know I wasn't seeing the way clear for it. But if if a guy is going to get it, I think it's going to be Albert Wilson. Oh, um, interesting. Just because of the way that they've been using him, the way that they've grown into using him in all these different roles, and you know, Devon, clearly the, the the weakness in Devonte Parker is coming into play on this. And, I think Wilson um, could get a thousand combined yards. I'm yeah, not sold yeah. necessarily. It'd be a pure. I think I, I think he's got the best chance at it of of the of the guys that we're talking about. I'll so if anybody does, it's him. I'll slightly disagree. I, I think uh, Kenny Stills is the one that has the best shot at it. I don't think. Yeah, gonna, I, agree. I I don't think we're going to get that though. But I think it's very possible that we have a two thousand yard player in Kenyon Drake. He could catch <laughs> he could catch seven hundred yards in balls easily. And I would a- love I would love for that to happen. I don't think Adam Gase is going to do it. Yeah, I don't see that. I've got to say, he just I- won't run it enough. He he won't run it enough, and he'll also insist on you know platooning 
uh, he and Frank Gore, maybe a lot more than a lot of people would want him to. Mm. Well, we'll see in the coming weeks. All right, Steve Sykes writes at Dr. Astro Zoom. We know him. Love Steve. Yes. Well, feel, better, feel better, buddy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely one of the one of the life's good people, definitely. Absolutely. Yes, he is a great guy. We've known him for a long, long time, and he writes, yeah. how will DVPs, that's Devontae Parker, injury affect his ultimate fate? Simon. I think they'd love to keep him around. I'm just not sure the value is there anymore. And I think if they get a chance to move him, and if the finger's all right by week one, you see, I, I think he could be moved before the trade deadline. I, I really do. I just, especially if they're crying out for a corner. I, 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 I'm not sure about his longevity with this team. He's never been healthy. He's never delivered. He's inconsistent. You know, and X has stolen his soul this summer. So I, I, I I'd love to think that he was going to develop into the guy that we keep thinking he's going to be, but I just don't see. It. I just don't think he has the mental makeup for it, Chris. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's about right. Yeah, we go back to what we talked about at the very start of our podcasts. When you know, when the chips are down, is he the guy that's gonna that's gonna lift you up and that's gonna rise out of it? Well, the chips are down for him. You know, maybe not as the the team, but the chips are down for him. And is he gonna pick himself up out of that? I just don't trust him to do that. No, and I think that injury m- might have saved him from a trade in this preseason. But I-, I would remind you guys, he has two big fans. Those two fans are Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill. Once he loses one of them, and I think he's close to losing one of them for sure, and that's the coach, then he is out of here, and probably out of here sooner rather than later. All right, well, that wraps us up for this episode of uh, Three Yards Per Carry. We hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot of ground here. Uh, First preseason game out of the way, second one to come. Uh, Starting to predict and see how the roster's going to shape up. We hope you'll listen to all the other podcasts on the Five Reasons Network, and we also hope you'll join us if you're in Miami area at the uh, the watch party at the Texas Roadhouse in Miramar. Alf will be there uh, Mm -hmm. doing the Alf voice. And um, and I will probably not be there, but maybe I don't know. Um, I don't want to promise anything, but we'll see you next week. Uh, Nonetheless, this is three yards per carry and uh, goodbye. Thanks for listening to three yards per carry. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.